Comrade.com. We got Jeff and Scott in the studio. We have another. We have a returning champion, very special guest, Diana Hussein. What's up, buddy? Hey, I feel like this is not the first time you've had me on to talk specifically about sports and labor. Yeah. I, well, we talked about wrestling and labor last time, if I recall correctly, and we talked about. I don't know wh- why are you the sports person. <laughs> I, I guess mean, because you love in, sports in my a lot. life, I am the sports person. In my union, I am the sports person. So it, it, it makes sense that when there's this niche crossover world between sports and labor, yeah. there's like two beat writers that exist in all of media and then like this nerd here that just likes it. Well, exactly. And like when, when this was all going on, I was like, I wonder what Diana thinks about this. So there you go. So um, anyway... Um, well, we're about to find out what Diana thinks. Yeah, of what all do this. you think? But first off, I see a very beautiful recovering orange boy in your arms. How's yes, ca- how's the cutest cat doing? Calvin is joining us today, and he had quite the week where we waited almost, I think it was eight some odd hours, almost nine hours in my car. Um, folks, if you need to take your cat or dog for just a regular check-in make that appointment now the vets are slammed because of the of covid and limited capacity so we had to wait but this boy clean bill of health he's okay he just had a little infection he's on antibiotics he's gonna pull through my boy calvin yeah, well, we're all rooting for him so uh scott how you doing bud i'm doing all right i uh, helped my friend move today and he was like we're not actually moving we're painting so <laughs> That is a cruel bait and switch. No, it's fine. It's like actually two of my wheelhouses. If they were like, uh, "Hey, we're going to throw up these floorboards and like build something," I'd been out of my, I'd been out of my depth. But like, yeah, the three things got the three things Scott does is move, paint, and make pizza. Those are the three things that Scott does. I mean, like two of them are awful chores that like no one wants to be asked by their friends to do because you can't really say no. I mean, I don't mind painting. Painting is fine. Like, it's gross, but like, it's got to happen. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> Sometimes things got to be another color. And Scott's a former IUPAT member, too. Former. Well, maybe we can talk offline. There's a room I'm in right now needs to be repainted. <laughs> it's been like 15 <laughs> years since I painted this room red when in my 20s. Yeah, I mean, Scott, you can a, go it's drive a pretty up. pretty good color. It seems very like rumpus roomy, kind of like you'd have a pool table in there. It's very nice. Yeah, you can no. drive up to Michigan and uh, just kind of check it out and paint the room. <laughs> this was this was me projecting that I would one day end up with Unite here. It's just like all red everything. You called it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, so the the it was called a boycott by some. Uh, many people were insisting on, a, on a, that it was called a strike by NBA players. Um, so. What what are your thoughts on the job action that took place last week uh, among, you know, not it wasn't just NBA players in the middle of the playoffs, but also maybe maybe start by describing what happened and then we can sort of get into how you feel about it. 
Yeah, sure. So it, I would say a job action is probably more accurate way mm-hmm. to call it than a boycott. I think there's several reasons why it was called a boycott. Um, primarily, um, A, I feel like despite the fact that um, pro sports are wholly unionized, pro sports writers aren't typically used to covering it from a union aspect, even though they go through contract negotiations every 10 years, they've there's been lockouts, et cetera, et cetera. Still, for some reason, labor isn't primarily on everybody's minds, mm-hmm. no matter what we might feel it should be. So I think there is that. And then two, it sounds more and more increasingly like boycott is kind of a catch-all term to some. But yeah. I think it's important that we um, d- like kind of differentiate between the two because boycott is maybe the power that we would hold. So if the NBA players like would call for a boycott, that would be on us to not watch the games, not buy the merch, not, you know, not put our uh, pocketbooks towards the NBA. Mm -hmm. But what they did more accurately as a job action is a strike and even more so a wildcat strike because NBA CBAs, their collective bargaining agreements actually have no strike clauses. Mm -hmm. So this was technically, well, not technically, it was a so-called illegal strike. But Mm -hmm. as we know, there is no such thing as an illegal strike. Yeah, especially if it wins. And um, I guess the question is, did it win? Well, uh, we can, we can get I, mean, I think it is weird that they called it a boycott because I don't think like sports writers know how to write about strikes as much as it's like like they'd have to call it something else, you know. Hmm. And, and and the other thing too is that like when you say boycott, and I think that when you were saying what you were saying is that it's like a, a, a boycott is for like us to choose not. It's, it, a boycott's on the consumer to yeah. choose to like not use this product because it's you know um unethical or you know for whatever reason there's a reason i don't get a soda stream right and it's because that it's it's um basically it's it's in um israeli occupied part of palestine and and so that's part of why you know people would you would boycott you would make the consumer decision to not get something like that but in terms of a a, a, a strike that's more on the workers and you know yeah. whether or not they're they're paid super high or not nba players are workers yeah they like decided in the locker room to not go out like that's not like a boycott mm-hmm. like they were yeah. like we've had enough and i i think too it, it, it's a political um wildcat strike on that too because it's not like they were making any like wage or benefit demands or contract demands or anything Mm -hmm. they weren't really even making demands on like the owners it really was a political statement and i think in that regard it was absolutely successful because they they absorbed they dominated the media Mm -hmm. cycle and the best part is they dominated during the week of the rnc yeah that's true i just thought was cherry on top of it all but to me i feel like this was um and i've heard it described um by many people in this way that it was probably the most historic um kind of moment of activism in in sports history Mm -hmm. i mean that that night when it was first kind of announced that the bucks were sitting out and then just like the series of events it was maybe within an hour in which it was just like we we heard everybody else all the other games that had been postponed that night and it just happened so fast and i think like even even if we would be talking about this before it happened like in theory like like we would always probably underestimate just the magnitude of, mm-hmm. of what they did um and and the power of it all and and the power they held that maybe we'll go into a little bit later that was then kind of nipped in the bud by certain people. <laughs> uh, 
It was uh, I think it was also pretty interesting because it was also the Brewers, like the also the other professional team playing from that state, and they were just like they both were like in solidarity. It was very very cool. Yeah, that one shocked me. I don't know what shocked me more was the NHL ca- canceling two days worth of playoff games or Major League Baseball participating at all, like mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, like, yeah, baseball has been have, historical. Very prob- like very problems with their units because like their major minor league players don't make anything. Like they barely even. Start. They're not represented, are they? Yeah. No, they're not, and they're the only um, kind of minor league league of all the pro sports at this point. Like. You know, it's interesting. I think it was maybe in the last year, like the NBA's like G League actually unionized with like no pushback. They were so cooperative. And it's kind of like I would say um, the trend in how some of these minor leagues have um, to, to form a union, because like I said, these pro leagues are like wholly unionized. All, all the four major, including now MLS, I guess, is, a, is maybe a major sport to some in, in our country. But um, when it comes to minor league baseball, like the just the ownership in, in major league baseball in itself is just like so conservative. Mm-hmm. They they just have to control every aspect. And like they basically see their players as like their property. And so they've been the hardest um, when it comes to any kind of rights for the minor league ba- baseball players. And I would say they're probably the most screwed when we talk about these millionaire athletes. They're sure shit, not millionaire athletes mm-hmm. like. I mean, even Major League Baseball's like they have a lobby group that was lobbying in Arizona to to get um, them to exempt um, minor league baseball players from making what amounts to less than minimum wage because the amount they're paying them during um, uh, spring training and, and spring leagues is is less than the twelve dollar minimum wage in Arizona what? or something like that. Like that's how bad baseball is. And how much so money we, do they make? I mean, they just stack it on top of one another. Pennies. Mm-hmm. No, I mean the owners. That. I mean, the, I mean the the league makes hand over fist, huh? That is oh, that is billions. insane for something that like you have to modify your body to like be able to do, and you ain't even aren't even making minimum wage. Like, like when I make pizza, I shave my arms so I don't get like dough in them and stuff. But that's about <laughs> it. Like I'm not going to like 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 structured workouts to make sure I'm like the proper kind of musculature. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a difficult thing to prepare your body for. Yeah, and I'm trying to see if I can pull up something actually because you know um, Unite here has been um, campaigning for the the stadium workers, like yeah. the workers in the in the um, ballparks and the arenas for for these leagues um, that are you know currently out of work but primarily subcontracted. Like they've been campaigning to get some of these team owners to to pay up and and help support them while they're out of work because mm-hmm. they can absolutely afford it. And it's just been remarkable. It's, these baseball teams don't give a crap. Mm-hmm. Like they are. And so like there's actually like information that exists in the world that breaks down how much each of these teams ownership is worth, even how much the value of the franchise is worth mm-hmm. in comparison to what it would cost to like support these workers while they're out of work. It's pennies to them. It's really nothing. Yeah. And and just to sort of like circle back really quick and then we can get more into um stadium workers because that's what we that is what we talked about last time most uh, most of our last conversation and i think it should be it's, it's worth updating but just to circle back and, and and sort of finish off the uh the the, the player strike um or the job action the boy whatever whatever you know the sport writer wanted to call it you know i think it's strike um but regardless of that it, it, it was primarily as a response to the um police murder 
of uh, Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and on the week of the DNC, I mean the RNC, the Republican convention, where they were talking blood and soil stuff like the entire time, like speaker after speaker, screaming at you about like law and order and defending this country, just uh, uh, and, and and there was like every, high every profile, speech. high profile every media figures like saying. Empty. Saying that this is a good thing that we're, or like defending police or defending that guy, that kid, that 17 year old kid who murdered two people at the protests. So, so creepy. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it wasn't even the content of what they were saying, it was the delivery too. Mm-hmm. Like they went all out with the creepiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think that's what made it really powerful when like the Bucks and the Brewers were, were the teams to step out in their respective leagues. But again, it's like a political statement. But if you remember when they were first kind of um, talking about this bubble and leading into the bubble, Kyrie Irving was like, I don't want to play in the bubble. We shouldn't play. There's, you know, this is going on. There were concerns about just the way they would enact the bubble and safety, mm-hmm. uh, not unlike any other kind of in- essential frontline worker fight for PPE. But then at the same time, like he was recognizing, and I think it was Avery Bradley too. Mm-hmm. They they recognize that right now, maybe there's something bigger than sports. And, and um, so he didn't play. And then it was really kind of like the, the word is that LeBron James was kind of leading a little bit of a different kind of um, strategy saying that our power is when we play. And so uh, thinking this week, um, rest in peace, Black Panther, King yeah, T'Challa, uh, Chadwick Boseman, like thinking about like just Black Panther and that story, you got, you know, King T'Challa and his method, and then you have Killmonger and then his method, and then they butt heads. Um, and even further, the comparison is like, you got the whole MLK, Malcolm X dynamic and in some sense, that would be uh, Kyrie and LeBron in mm-hmm. the conversations. And I think it was like early June when they were first kind of going over what the bubble would, would look like. Mm-hmm. And so now, I don't know, what sounds would, uh... more like LeBron is fed up and acting more like Malcolm X these days and might even owe Kyrie an apology. <laughs> Scott, you had something? Oh, I just think it's interesting uh, how to see all these people just like, I mean, they're staying in the same place, so they're obviously talking about it. Like, it's kind of a nightmare for them to be like, cause, like they're staying at like a Disney World resort. <laughs> like, like if you, if you ever went with a couple of people, it's just like you are just hanging out with those people. You're around those people all the time. Like, mm-hmm. like I that's think that's they, the beauty of it, though. That's probably why they were able to kind of take collective action is that, you know, they, they've been able to have personal, personable talks. I, I think they're only limited to like a certain number of families. So some of the guys who don't have like family aren't able to like bring out their like partners and date or whatever. And so yeah. you kind of are essentially you're creating the atmosphere where all these people are going to be talking to each other because they have no nothing else to do. Maybe yeah, next not- time the league's going to rethink how important <laughs> it is that they have a half season. Right. Yeah. Well, and and I, I said this on our last episode because we talked a little bit about this in in general. It's sort of like, why is it so important that they kickstart sports back up right now? Like, uh, and it, it's not just that. I mean, like, by any metric, um, like restarting like parts of the economy. I mean, and, and first off, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do right by workers. We absolutely should be making sure that workers who can't work because of a pandemic that is of no fault of the workers um, is. Taking like like that, we have ways to take care of all of us because we're all in this together and we're all going through this together. Um, how is like why are we having basketball or why are we having all of these playoff seasons, other than for a sense to sort of make things 
feel like they're back to normal or like feel like this COVID situation was behind us, right? It's almost like a, a like, well, basketball's back. Everything must be fine. Schools are back. You know, everything must be fine. Yeah. Everything, everything needs to be fine, except for the fact that nothing is fine. Like, <laughs> I mean, baseball hasn't been able to kind of work off the bubble model. And we've seen how many games already have been postponed this mm -hmm. season because of COVID outbreaks. And I mean, the answer is quite simple money. Yeah. Like the amount of money that was cost by missing a couple of these scheduled games just in, in revenue, like it mm -hmm. is a lot and it's not. It's not something to just ignore. I, however, I obviously, like these are very, very wealthy entities, so they can afford to lose it, but they don't like to lose. Yeah, ever. It's almost, it's almost like a, a crystal spire where it's like, well, I essentially could just like be okay with the, this for like a couple years, and everything would be fine. But if I'm not like trying my best to keep the machine going, everybody's gonna be like, well, he's got too much money. Like it's just these people's like insecurities, like. They're making them be like, well, the only solution is to keep it going. We have to keep the, the plate spinning, you know? Like, it's like, what are we going to do? Not make money? Are they wrong <laughs> to think that? No, it's absolutely like in, incredibly terrible. Like, but like, they, like, reality is going to catch up to them if they aren't constantly churning out business. Like, if they're not making money, like, if line go down, what are you going to do? Who the hell knows what to do? What, what do you do if line go down? Like, you freak the hell out. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Maybe not to make any sense. <laughs> I think, too, that they try to package the argument like it's some semblance of normalcy. And I admit, personally, like, I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate that there's sports on TV. Of course. Like, I appreciate the NBA playoffs. They're, they're fun as hell right now. Um, however, that being said, like, I, I do think that there's more important things in sports sometimes. Um I do think that the NBA did right by the players in creating the bubble atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to kind of like force an industry to continue during a pandemic, then you got to go all out to ensure like the safety and protection of the people you're putting on the front lines. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it's the NBA players. And they did just that. Like, mm -hmm. I think that they're a model of like how, it, how much it takes to actually like get things moving. And if you can't kind of, um, uh, duplicate that model then maybe you shouldn't reopen in most circumstances you you can't duplicate this model right i do have a question though because um and you probably know more about this than i do what is sort of the difference in the models or the ways that baseball and basketball and hockey um, and even, well, I guess not in the U S so much, but I think MLS is still going too. like, don't they have their own little bubble as well? Like, 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 and, and just do so is the best that you can. Like, like what is the difference between bubbles, I suppose? And like, why are some more successful than others? Yeah. And there's actually, there's reasons for it. Um, mm -hmm. primarily, um, major league baseball rosters are way bigger um, I have no idea how the NFL is going to try to function this season. Like they have way too big rosters, but also the thing that worked out for the NBA is that in Orlando where they're playing is like, it already is set up with the courts. It already has the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Like I've been there for NBA summer league a few years ago. Like, so they have the infrastructure and it's built in in Orlando. And I think what happened with the NHL is they have similar um, spots. I'm not quite sure the details, um, but I think there might be two bubbles for the NHL. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. 
Um, and I have no idea that MLS. So like, I'm sorry. My, Nobody my knows dad anything will about be the very MLS. Upset for me saying this, but like, I don't really follow soccer, but I imagine that they might have some sort of bubble because you don't you don't hear about COVID outbreaks on MLS teams. That's but also, we, you don't hear anything about MLS teams because they're irrelevant in this country. That's why we got to get dad on the show to talk about MLS. <laughs> Well, I like you said you were sorry, and then you just totally dug into like MLS. You're like, <laughs> I just know like it worked out with the NBA because they had that infrastructure in Orlando, and of course, yeah. it's like at the- Disney. Disney's owned by ABC. Mm-hmm. ABC slash ESPN has you know some high stakes for the league to to play. So, mm-hmm. I mean, why did it work out for the NBA? Because they had a unique situation where they had the exact perfect place. Yeah, like, perfect place set up, but like. You can't do that with like an NFL stadium. Are you just gonna fly out every pe- all the people to one stadium? Like, like I've thought what- about this actually. Yeah. Some stadiums are built like about forty minutes away from like the city area, and so like maybe something like that where you can like you know buy up all the hotels in the area and try to create it. But then obviously you wouldn't be able to have just weekly games. So I'm thinking okay. NFL every day, baby. Oh God, that yeah. would. I mean. Like you were saying earlier, I kind of thought of something when I stopped. Like the reason it stopped going because they looked at all the like rates on advertisements on TV and they were like, "Well, we gotta we gotta take advantage of this." <laughs> like, but like, uh, yeah, like where are they gonna go? Maybe an old stadium, like the Oakland Stadium, that's not there anymore. Uh, I mean, that actually there are some like defunct stadiums, or even like in Florida, for example. Like they're they have their football stadiums that are like way out in the middle of nowhere, just surrounded by parking lots. Like, oh yeah, or like yeah. one of those like Texas stadiums that have that play like Friday night games and stuff. Like one of the big ones. <laughs> like they have places they can go, but I don't know. The NFL is just seems like a lot more unwieldy than the NBA. You know, yeah. it doesn't work. They can for afford the... to buy their own island just to yeah. set up the bubble like the NBA has in Orlando. By uh, by a saying? cruise ship like Dana White. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, like, do you want Dana White and the NFL to team up to have, like, a, a sports island? Maybe You know what's messed up is that UFC and really WWE, they have not stopped at all. Like, that's, Oh, absolutely. That's... Like, they, they've been, like, barreling on through. And, like, <laughs> only because of, like, the objections of their wrestlers have, like, have like they ever been like oh we should probably have people wearing masks when we're, like, filming these shows and stuff. You, like you know what the difference between those leagues and the rest of them? That, that they do not have unions unions right yep. absolutely not at all like people are always talking about like the wrestling unions and how it needs to be a thing but like oh no i way. bet after this it's gonna be i bet there's some hardcore intense organizing happening right now with somebody somebody like leaked something early on saying that they they weren't adhering to safety in orlando for nxt and and somebody like filed a, i think maybe even an osha complaint so oh God. to me to me that um kind of indicated that there there might be some at least you know those conversations mm-hmm. are happening with people they were happening before all this happened yeah. so but like the wwe had their own bubble where they were just doing another performance center for a while but now they actually have leased a stadium that is only full of like like screen tvs where people are zoomed in they got a thunderdome yeah, it's called the Thunderdome. Have you seen the Thunderdome, Diana? No, Diana, not. the Thunderdome. It's called the Thunderdome. It, so basically, the they've turned it's a all the wrestling full of people on their Zoom calls, yeah. and it could be either them or like some obscure wrestling joke they decided to make, just put on the screen. Like somebody put up like a picture of like Chris Benoit, and they're uh, all what the stadium. 
the, the Amway the Center. They have the Amway Florida, Center. Like, it's got to be in Florida. Like. Amway Center? Yeah, they got I the Amway the Center, one, yes. and they have like a thousand video screens that they have on uh, the hard camera that you can see them. And like essentially, you can like go to the WWE Thunderdome website yeah. or whatever, and be like, "I want to be on the Thunderdome," and, and basically, like like they've turned wrestling into a Zoom call because because for a while, and I don't know how much you've been watching. I know I know that you know Diana and I we've talked on the, about wrestling in the past on this show and on our other show. Um, however, like s- since COVID, like WWE just decided to start like doing shows and posting through it like we said before and they would have a lot of they wouldn't have live studio audiences uh other than like their <laughs> workers like like these developmental talent guys uh and gals and non-binary pals and it would be sort of like pretending to be a crowd and uh, you know god bless them they tried their best to do a to do a simulation of an actual crowd it just doesn't work and then, and I imagine they were drawing a paycheck for appearances at least, but now they just basically outsourced it all to the audience. But, uh, but, uh, New Japan is starting up shows again because they're actually in, they did their recent, most recent one at a baseball stadium. So everybody could be spread out and it's like well aired. And then after the main event, which people really enjoyed, they did fireworks and it was pretty cool. Like, yeah, see, I, I definitely can imagine like, other countries that aren't america being able to to do other creative ways of having sporting or live live spectator events like that but obviously we we're not even there yet no yeah funny thing about um amway for that is i think where the magic play Mm -hmm. um owned by the devos family so black magic Scamway Arena. Whoa! Oh, get their ass. That yeah. is a Michigan deep cut right yeah, there. Yeah, I love it. Jeff, you got one in. You got one in you. Uh, look, you, I don't do these on command. Okay, that's not how it works. Yeah, sorry, man. But uh, yeah, and it, it really is crazy though that that they can just sort of like turn like I don't even again like the 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 workers that are drawing a check you know just for making themselves look like fools and like banging banging on plexiglass or whatever and essentially like take that check away from them which I suspect that they're getting and just basically outsource it to like one giant video wall of people who could just say like hey I want to just be on the thing you know basically get people to volunteer for it I mean I wouldn't be surprised if they were paying for access Maybe they are. Yeah, I don't. I I would wouldn't put it past WWE to not right. pay people appearance fees because they'll probably just like, oh yeah, you'll you'll get a chance to be on WWE TV, like yeah, whatever yeah. they would mm-hmm. come in and need like a bunch of people to play something mm-hmm. in the background. Like those are local indie wrestlers, and <laughs> like they don't get paid for that appearance. I don't think, yeah. but they do get access to the cool buffet. I've heard so much about. Oh, like, yeah. oh. everybody talks about the craft service at backstage at a WWE live show but they never talk about the paycheck they get for making that um <laughs> cameo appearance and think they got sushi <laughs> they got everything i heard um but yeah going back to like the the sports strikes and like what it means in the in the long term i think mm-hmm. is is a really important question because there was some debate whether or not they should play at all again um i'm talking about the nba in particular um, some folks were like on the side of no, including the rosters of the Clippers and the Lakers, which is where high profile people like LeBron James play. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they apparently voted like to just completely cancel the rest of the season. And there was pushback from the other players. Like they, mm-hmm. they want to play. And I think it's important to, um, to consider those voices too. Like yeah. they want to play. That's their choice. 
But um, ultimately, it sounded like it came down to some influence of Barack Obama talking to folks um, like LeBron, like Chris Paul, who's the uh, players union president. And like, to me, it sounds like he gave like the age old Obama uh, brand of compromise politics, like, you know, like, no, we can't go all out. And again, that comparison, maybe I wouldn't even make this comparison to MLK slash T'Challa kind of. Um, <laughs> um, perspective of things, but I think it was just a little bit disappointing for me because, like, you know, Obama's brand of these this compromise politics, like, it maybe worked in two thousand and eight, but it sure as hell does not work in in twenty twenty. And mm-hmm. I think that, like, right now, like, the players only have a couple weeks left in the season. The season was like a fake season, yeah. really, and so I think that it doesn't change their, um, you know high profile like their their prominence in the world by not playing i think that they'll they're famous athletes Mm -hmm. they have they have a platform in and off this on and off the season but right now like there there would have just been like such a powerful statement and completely canceling the season like even at this point versus doing so when Kyrie was calling for it like that would have been a really really big statement and instead they're like, oh no, this is you know, this is how you can like reach your your goals here by having actionable steps and using your power by playing. It's like, no, your power is by not playing mm-hmm. right now. Like now is the time to partake and completely cancel the season. Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of statement would that be making right now that it goes further than Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, it, and I think what was really great is that they announced some like actionable items. And I think the big one is calling for um, NBA arenas around the country and the owners that own them to open them up on election day as like safe, um, you know, safe, spacious areas for in-person voting. And I think that's really important. And, you know, LeBron and other folks have really led the way and and kind of like protecting the black vote is the coalition, what they're putting, Mm -hmm. uh, pushing for. But um, ultimately, I was really disappointed that Obama comes in and tells people essentially shut up and play. (sighs) Obama has been like, like Obama has been like the destructor of 2020 in a lot of ways, hasn't he? He just like calls in whatever favors that he wants. And then he just destroys whatever effort that he sees just popping up. That is not limited to just 2020. He did that exact thing in 2017 when Mm -hmm. he did not want Keith Ellison to win as the chair. That is true. That is true. And 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 you know, like it's it's you sort of like think about it, like the the compromise politics of Obama. I think it's a very nice way of putting it because I think that we uh, understand the effect of those politics, and I think he does too. And maybe I'm being unfair here, but the effect of those politics is that nothing ever changes. No, I, I mean, it's hard for me. Like I, mm-hmm. I do appreciate the legacy of Barack Hussein yeah. Obama. Like of I course. think, and I, I hate this. Like I yeah. hate to feel disappointed by him in 2008. I was still in college. I was super inspired by the campaign. It probably, um, uh, maybe made me get interested in the work I do today. Like many of us, blah, 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 blah. That's a great but ultimately, thing. I've come to realize that he is he is essentially about his own legacy and yeah. right now it's about protecting his legacy he comes in and weighs in on a on an nba strike by telling them to go back to play mm-hmm. like i feel like his interests are more aligned with the leagues than it is going to be with the players and what they're speaking out for and then at, at the same time like where has he been for four four years like everybody's commending his his speech and even michelle obama's speech at the dnc and i'm like these are great Th- these are strong statements 
four years too late, maybe. And I, I think that like over time, I've grown so disappointed based on specifically when Obama chooses to weigh in. Yeah. And it sounds to me he weighs in when he knows he absolutely can shift something and sway something but he does it in the interest of ultimately like his legacy and this gilded class it's not about the players it's not about what the players are speaking for can i jump in though and talk about the good side and i'm going to sound like i'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here but i do like one of the things that i do appreciate is that he was at least um like like an inspiring enough figure to essentially tap into the um, like, 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 to at least get like an entire generation of people like connected and plugged into politics. Now, obviously, uh, the le- like one of the lessons that came away from that is that you know you can be plugged into something that is completely empty. That might be unfair. Uh, I don't know if there's a complete emptiness to it, but at least like it, it, it there was a uh, a lesson that was learned where you sort of like get brought into this extremely like like charismatic and and powerful like oratorical uh, or good good uh, oratorical i can't talk right now you know what i'm trying to say like obama good speaker no well that that can be framed in a very bad way yeah well not just to say like 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 i'm talking about like like historical top level talent all time and then but then essentially like seeing what's the what the effect of that is or what the actual um motivation behind that about that guy is is to essentially like like beef up his own brand and push his own legacy up and for forever and it's really really like eye-opening for everyone yeah you know i used to i used to say this about obama and i'll i'll tell you why i changed this i used to say that like his legacy was gonna always be ultimately like something that's underrated and Mm -hmm. that the generation that he inspired into politics. Mm -hmm. And I know there was an effort, like a national effort to kind of build like, like this organizing infrastructure Mm -hmm. to leave behind. And like, there's everybody who can criticize it knows that it failed ultimately. But I still said like people like me, when whoever was in college, we came out in the recession, like Obama inspired us, taught us hope, change, et cetera, et cetera. I say that was his underrated legacy until more recently when I realized that's not so much. You know why? Because a guy named Bernie Sanders did the same and actually did it 10 times better and and right. And I think that the legacy of Bernie Sanders is actually going to be the legacy that Obama wanted and failed and that he inspired an entire generation of like young people. Obviously, it's been said, but even like our generation, millennials who maybe ultimately felt disappointed by what Obama left behind and essentially brought us Trump. I think Bernie Sanders really, really, really built that infrastructure for for 2020 and beyond to, mm-hmm. to continue a, a mobilized generation of people. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I don't blame. So, like, I don't blame people for being taken in either, because I'm, I'm thinking about one person in particular who I like respect very, very deeply. And she'll very often post about how she like feels like she was, um, she was like she didn't know what she was doing and like when she was in 2016 and now she's come like in, in such a different way and and she's one of the mo- like smartest sharpest like 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 political people that i know and she sort of feels embarrassed over time like in, in, like like organizing for obama and i'm just like no like that's just that you learn how to do all of the stuff that you know how to do now because of that you know I don't know. Yeah. And and ultimately, like I like I said, I feel a little bad taking away from Obama's legacy, but I do think it's fair and important for Mm -hmm. us to criticize him and and not just like 
you know, pander, pander, pander or whatever, mm-hmm. because it, he does have things to be criticized for. Of but course. I also appreciate like him inspiring people, him being really important to, to, to people. And like even people like my dad who mm-hmm. crave the days of Obama. Like I, I completely understand yeah. that. But I, I do think that Obama's legacy was 2008 to 2016 and is no longer relevant in 2020. 100 percent. 100%. And I didn't even mean to go down that road with this conversation, but I'm kind of glad that we did. Um, and, and, and again, he was the one that was that that sort of, you know, and he, he put a, you know, put an end, not not single handedly, I suppose, but but um, he, he definitely had an influence in sort of like stopping that player, that, pl- that job action by the players because of the sort of orientation towards, you know, trying to please everyone are trying to come to a compromise and having that be some kind of virtue in and of itself. Yeah, and tell tell me something. Where are we with EFCA? Like, where are we with, like, literally anything other than the Affordable Care Act from mm-hmm. o- Obama's administration? I think that's why a lot of people were criticizing this, like, compromise, like, you know, do it this way and not this way. Because, like, it does. It It's parallel to how he ran his administration, including a few years in which... Democrats controlled had had majority House, mm-hmm. the Senate, the Oval Office. And yet, what did we pass? Like, mm-hmm. what kind of reforms did we win to be able to prevent Trump from doing everything that he's doing now? Like, there's so many things that like, including labor that Obama mm-hmm. promised that, you know, fell back on that would have been really great today. And I think that, you know, that's the frustration is like, it's not just Obama's brand of compromise po- uh, politics, but it's also it's a losing strategy. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like it lost us in 2016. Like, have you not learned anything about <laughs> why do we still compromise when we're still losing? Yeah, the compromise politics worked when you have a you know once in a century talent, you know guy that's doing it. But when you have somebody who's not who's not that doing the same kind of politics or even a slightly better politics, they get rolled up by the like like by the by the essentially the Joker, you know. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't even say if I agree with you that compromise mm-hmm. politics works like at this no. point, there's no evidence to that. And like you're compromising with like with us with another side that is wrong. Like no. it is wrong to kill black people. It is wrong for police officers to kill black people. No, I'm not I mean, saying like, the politics. Not... works. I'm not saying the politics works for people. I'm saying that politics works for him because yeah. it was it not was it. it was the fact that that it was supercharged by his, you know, like his again super super you know ability essentially his his ability to 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 connect with people which is essentially what the the heart of you know u.s politics is um first of all jeff do you mind moving your right arm a little bit Um, those cats are fighting yeah um for those who can't see jeff's cats actually i should say cat and kitten are playing in the background and now i can see them clearly um so just to get back to the strike and the uh, players. So, what was exactly on the line here? What 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 did they want, and what did they risk in all of this? So, I think they definitely achieved what they wanted, which is really to kind of like you know raise raise awareness, make a big statement, and then you know on top of that, they you know had some demands they released through the um, players' association, like we mentioned about opening the arenas was one of them. But I think the thing that's really important to recognize, it's not just money out the pocket right now that they lost, like because of their no strike clause in their CBA, 
they essentially like if if they were to to cancel um the season they would they would risk throwing the cba out the window and mm-hmm. like um the league locking them out for next season and i think um you know season's still up in the air regardless but like as in like 2021 to 2022 and then they would have to go back to the bargaining table and then could risk um particularly like a big big part of their contract is the 50 50 split um and in revenue sharing like that's a pretty good deal and you know they wouldn't have as much sway during like a lockout contract fight and all that Mm -hmm. so i think like to commend the nba players um it's not just what they really risked it's just that they kind of really flexed their power Mm -hmm. because i think there's no way in hell right now that the owners and the league would ever step up and against them because right. they know. And I think that's obviously why the ML, maybe Major League Baseball did it, why NHL was doing it. Like, mm-hmm. ultimately, these, like, uh, rich, wealthy leagues and the team omer- owners recognize that the players have all the power in the world because they're not going to be the ones to say no. They're not going to be the ones to come out against them in this moment that we're in right now. Right. Which is why it's all the more important that the players did do something. It's mm-hmm. because they can. They have 100% of the leverage despite the risk of their CBA being thrown out the window. Like, really, you could say it, there was no risk of that because the league knows better. Right. I mean, it also is good for, like, to see your athletes do stuff like that because, like, if you're just a guy, like, working in, like, a, a restaurant job and you're like, man, LeBron James did that. Why, like, why can't I just tell my boss, like, I'll talk to all my, like, coworkers and be like, all right, man, you're making too much money and you ain't, you ain't fixing stuff around here and, like, you ain't giving us the money, like. This is exactly the kind of stuff like people don't know is possible, you know. Might have been why they try to label it a boycott. Yeah, you know, on a, on that question actually, and and maybe this is uh, me kind of overthinking this situation, but shortly before the and shout out to Detroit on this one, and oh also my gosh, New York I can't City. believe I should I should have started this all. I need to give um, big props to my football team my babies my detroit lions because they were really the ones that started all this they are the trendsetters over the weekend last weekend before the bucks before anybody else decided to like follow the the cool kids the detroit lions sat out practice to make a political statement and i think that is just remarkable now mind you the stakes are lower it's just (laughs) practice they're not even playing but still like the fact that you know the detroit football team which represents an, a city that's 84% black decided to do something like that gives, that gives me some excitement for the NFL season that we're, we're never going to see. Yeah. Well, well uh, shout out to Detroit, know, they, the Detroit lions. And yeah. in addition, prior to that, the Detroit teachers had threatened to go on strike in the city and also like, like the United Federation of teachers in New York. And one of the things, and maybe I can throw this to both of y'all. Do you think the players, of uh, you know like these leagues potentially maybe i don't know just just throwing it out there to chew chew on do you think that they saw while while these teachers might be asserting their power what if we did that it's possible like you you you, i'm sure your uh local player will watch the local news he's probably got his local commercials playing you know maybe they have some kind of things going on with that and you'd be like oh man these teachers are really striking diana personally i think it dates back to the fall of 2018 when in several cities, 7,000 Marriott hotel workers were on strike at properties in which teams traveling stayed at. And um, a couple of the NBA teams crossed the picket line. A couple of MLB teams crossed the picket line. And 
you know, there was a big call on, on, on the unions, like what, what the hell? And so it's not like this was like an unknown thing. You came into town and all mm-hmm. of a sudden there's a strike. It was in national news. And the best part, my favorite, probably my favorite sports labor story mm-hmm. um, outside of this week was that um, during the um, um, major league baseball players uh, playoffs, it was, Red Sox Yankees in Boston and the Yankees crossed the picket line and then they lost and then they got eliminated and then the Dodgers crossed the picket line and they got eliminated so it was the the curse of Marvin Miller but I just love that like Unite Here has signs that says Yankees equal scabs yeah losers cross picket lines which is what I see losers cross picket lines yeah you hear that comment losers loser uh comment loser slash comment also cross the picket line they must be on one of the police unions whoa um but i mean that's kind of a joke but i mean it's not like the like you know pro athletes are you know never been exposed to to striking actions especially like in all the conversations people had before the Mm -hmm. pandemic about like oh strike wave this strike wave that Mm -hmm. um i think more importantly to recognize is like how the players themselves have more in common with us and Marriott hotel workers striking than they do with the leagues, than they do with the owners and they do with the the cops in Wisconsin. Like, like at the end of the day, like these players. And I think that is what makes it um, so much. So the case in the NBA that these athletes are, are leading the charge right now is that their upbringings are, are more parallel with ours mm-hmm. um, than, than they are with, with the ownership. And I think it's important to understand that and not to look at them as like millionaires who have the luxury of going on strike like Jared Kushner said, yeah, it's, luxury it's of more striking. about, you know, people who recognize it, recognize real, like, real, real work, working class experiences. LeBron was pointing out like just general struggles of, of, of the, of black people in Akron, Ohio, saying that like when he was growing up, there were people yeah. who could barely afford to, to put food on, on, on the table. I think LeBron is just like in this moment where he's kind of seeing all, all the intersection. And I think it's just yeah. a matter of time before LeBron James comes out and says, fuck capitalism. Yeah, LeBron's I mean, a good one. LeBron is like historically been a pretty awesome. Yeah, you're just kissing your fingers. You're exactly right. He is the man. Uh, and I, mean, I don't say this about people from Ohio often. <laughs> I mean, it is interesting because like when you're an athlete, you don't become a, bil- a millionaire or a billionaire. Like they say, like, like the rhetoric is when when they, they put somebody's salary on the news and they're like, oh, this guy's getting paid so much. But like, they still are going to like a stratified work environment. Like the people on top of them are making like, like a hundred fold of what they make. Like, like it's peanuts compared to them. Like you think an NFL football team cares about the salary cap? <laughs> like only the revenue control for the entire league is a, is a general way to sort of set, set the tone. Right. Yeah. Like, like uh like a rod he had that crazy contract and it changed how baseball contracts made because it's like people are just going to make more money from here on out like, yeah and, and baseball contracts are a whole beast on themselves like compared to, to other leagues too just the, the amount of money and like honestly if you look at baseball team owners and other league owners like they skew even higher in the billion billionaire percentiles um so yeah, and I and yeah, I think it's it's important to, to recognize that these millionaires also the fact that they don't have that long of a shelf time in these leagues. Like the NFL is the worst. Like their their peak years are still in their twenties. Um, baseball's a little longer, and even to some extent the the NBA. But you know it, nobody's playing until retirement age, and so 
these contracts that they have now might seem big and fancy, but like how long do they last over the lifetime and, and what they're earning? And, and like, what is your quality taxing on your body? Like it changes how your body oh operates. My God. Like, I can't help but think about like Junior Seau and like all of these players who have like no quality of life, like in their retirement years and, and Junior Seau, he just like killed himself. Did he kill? Any, no, he just killed yeah, himself, he, right? He shot himself in his chest so he can like use oh his brain for God. science. And that, that, well, yeah, right, exactly. And it's just like this very, very like horrible existence. And like, there's no amount of money in the world that's worth the kind of pain somebody like that went through, you know, or that, you know, like. Yeah, and you know about the NFL, like when we were saying earlier, like most of the minor leagues of the pro leagues are union, except for the MLB, which is just like ridiculous. Mm-hmm. NFL does not have a minor league. They have college, college football. And that is a whole nother show in itself to talk about what college football did this year, which is essentially to prevent union talks. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm really happy Big Ten called off the season. That just would have been a nightmare. But at the same time, some people speculate that the reason why they just went full, like, let's not play is because there were there is some chatter in in NCAA football about unionizing and the players what? coming together, and they saw um, some of the collective activism that was happening with the players calling for certain like safety measures and, and and whatnot to be able to go on with the season. I think what happened with with NCAA is that they saw that the players were agitated and talking to each other and demanding things, so they wanted to nip it in the bud completely because protecting that dynamic of them as kind of like owners and then the um college players as exploited labor <laughs> then um you know losing this season is so much more valuable than um what you risk in in having something long term yeah and uh, one of our friends posted in a in a group chat that we're in like fans like like ohio state fans just like crowding the horseshoe like the which is where ohio state plays and and and, you know this is this is a thumbs down for ohio but like they had just these people just saying like we want big 10 football you know in the middle of this of this you know pandemic and and again they get paid you know like a like a a, like a nothing in, in a real sense they get a scholarship to college uh, which I guess isn't nothing, I suppose, but it's not like an actual compensation. You can't spend, you know. I mean, you don't play college football for you. You might have an extra year in your football career, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, when it comes to the amount of um wealth that college football yes. players generate, like that in itself, like that's the be all end all of that conversation. Hi, Calvin. Hi, Calvin. Calvin is Calvin's here. butt is now joining the show. <laughs> Calvin's butt has an opinion, and mm-hmm. it is that um, NCAA um, front office whatever heads they suck. I yeah. agree, Calvin. I think I, I saw that like LSU, and I, I don't know the numbers, so like it's going to be wrong. But they, it said essentially like they would lose like eighty million dollars or some crazy number, like by, by not playing this year. <laughs> I mean, what are they going to do? Have everybody go to the NFL games and just get like? piss can drunk and like spit all over the place like that's like absolutely just gonna kill all your fans like and your students is 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 lsu even going back like what's going on with lsu are they they going right now i mean if big Ten's out i it's really difficult to see other uh, leagues actually convening but maybe they will i don't know do you know anything uh, about that diana 
Sorry, what? <laughs> Do you know if any uh, of the other sort of like power conferences in NCAA are going to be uh, actually playing? You know, I forget. I just I follow Big Ten, and mm-hmm. I know that I I just even heard like the the vote in the Big Ten was I think eleven to three, and mm-hmm. I wanted to go and look who who were the three. I could probably guess who the three were. Yeah, obviously Ohio State in the Big Ten that voted to play. It's obviously mm-hmm. Ohio State. I bet it was like Nebraska, <laughs> Penn State, maybe like Iowa. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna look it up. Actually, so uh, LSU athletics brought in 157 million dollars in revenue last year jesus yeah and the football program more made more than half of that money totaling 91 million nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars which is just like absurd it's it's nice that they have a school there too i mean the the um i don't know if you have you ever been to uh death valley scott have you ever been to the tigers i mean it is I mean, I actually drove Intense. past there since the last uh, since since COVID, and it. I mean, I went to LSU, you know, in two thousand and three. It is an absolutely like, like it, it was a it was a gigantic thing in two thousand and three, and it just looks like completely state of the art now. They spend so much money on that football stadium. <laughs> Insane. I don't know. Oh, just to FYI, I was right. I knew exactly the three Big Ten schools that voted you called to, it? to play. Three? Yeah, is Nebraska, Iowa, and um, Ohio State. <laughs> I can also just go real quick over who's playing. It's all kind of like a unique schedule situation, but conferences that are playing are ACC, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Big Twelve. Um, you know the SEC is playing. You know the SEC is playing, mm-hmm. and um, Big. 10 and Pac-12 are postponed. So Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, like, like the, th- the thing about the way that COVID's been handled in the South, and you've seen it, like, on the news and stuff, is, like, we have the most cases, the most deaths, the most, like, destruction by this disease, and we also give the least of a fuck about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Louisiana right now is number one in uh, uh, per capita COVID cases. I live in the parish that's got the number one amount of COVID cases, and we just opened up our schools to children today. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're all playing just like conference games, um, Mm -hmm. but still, it is definitely not surprising to to Mm -hmm. see this list. Proud of of Big Ten, man. Yeah. Even though there there are some that say it's because they're trying to nip it. Oh my gosh, your cats, Jeff. I'm sorry. They're so cute. Sam is biting the little one right now. <laughs> yeah, he's like bear hugging him. This is a big cat show today, which I Calvin, do you see the kitten, Calvin? Great. I think maybe we should um Yeah, we can wrap it up. Wrap up. Yeah. Well, uh anyway, uh thank you so much for joining us, Diana Hussein, always here uh to talk about sports. Uh, I'm I'm happy to be your go-to expert on the um, intersection of sports and labor. I won't always necessarily know what I'm talking about, but I am at least like enough of a nerd of both um, areas that I think I can um, pretend to know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, we can have oh, every now and then we get to sort of like have a, a sideways Obama rant. Who knows? <laughs> uh, Diane Hussein, senior gmc sports yeah you're uh, a sports authority you're the sports authority of good morning comrade how about that oh i love it i love senior sports correspondent that would be like my 14 year old dream fulfilled yeah. perfect you ever need to jazz up a resume 
Yeah. Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Hopefully you you retire from the IU. But anyway. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to Good Morning Comrade. You can follow Diana on Twitter at Heya Diana. Heya. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Eminent Prof. You can follow Good Morning Comrade on Twitter at Comrade Morning. Check out our website, goodmorningcomrade.com. Uh, love you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.